Hello and welcome to the Carpetrage Podcast, episode 269. Nice. I'm Eric Berger, joined awesome. as always by my co-host Ryan Sanitsky. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hey. Uh, how are you doing today? Good. I mean, we're both kind of in a sneezy fit mood, but other yes. than that, yeah. And there might be sneezing. Uh, it took me a little while if you were on stream. Sorry, we were very late. Um, <sighs> I was running late because I was working on the World Cup of Cars. And then also, they're fixing the, blue, the Bluetooth bridge. It's now a wired bridge. Again. The one eighty dyno? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they were fixing that. Yes, they're shutting down uh sixty two. Are they replacing the whole thing or are they just I adding have no on? Idea. Okay, cool. That is a problem. Sixty two is a pretty big artery. Yes. So I took four ninety four. <clears throat> I also I, took four ninety four. Added some time for me. Ah. Because I usually just take sixty two. Sixty two to twelve. I take sixty two when I want to go more slowlier. But yeah. it's it's like the same time to get here. If I take 62, but like I like traveling at a higher rate I of speed. almost get killed on 94, on 494 more than I almost get killed on 62. Totally fair. That's why I take 62. Because I don't, I'm putting my life in my hands less often. So, that's I mean, a large part of it. That's petrifying, but I was not wrong <laughs> either. Um, Alright, uh, beer. I have a Coors Banquet. I have a coffee because I didn't want to drink beer in an empty tummy. And I just had some Reese's uh, sticks on the way here. So I just need to let them get in my tummy, and I'll have my beer next episode. Pep's Blue Robot. My PBR, yep. I uh, had lots of coffee this morning. My first coffee's in, like, four days. Oh, good. These oh, are super man. good. Uh, the Starbucks Natural Cold Brews. I love Natural station. Cold Brew. I've uh, never they, seen it in a can. It is $3.50. It's very expensive. Wow. But it tastes the same as... At a Starbucks. If I could get the pumpkin cold brew in again. That'd be great. I like oh, vanilla. Vanilla's man. my favorite okay. flavor. So, yeah. not, oh, it's flavored. Okay. Yeah, good, it, good, yeah good. you have vanilla, you have <clears throat> mocha, and then some other flavors. So, yeah, they're actually flavored. Uh, yes, Scott, 500E. I know you want a mention of that every episode until it actually comes to our shores, but not necessarily. We, we talked about today. that last time, right? Uh, at least, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we did, so we're fine. All right, before we get into the first bigger topic, which I think Scott will like, I briefly want to touch on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. On this super custom handcrafted site, you will find three open-ended levels of support, starting at just a buck a month to help us pay hosting costs and for beer, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. Please and thanks. You know, I feel like you say the exact same thing every episode. You yep. could just put that on the little stream deck and just press a button. and It'll just play the recording of you saying I that. could. And just, I'm just thinking of how much effort that would save you in the long run. Because you've said that 269 times already. Nice. And you can continue saying it. But anyway. Uh, Neither here nor there. This is the, if, you, if you're in the soccer world, you know what's happening right now. It's I am not into U, sports. USA versus England right now. Mm. Uh, I know because the gay bar behind my house is open for all of the matches starting at 4 a.m. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they can legally is, open that early. They don't serve liquor. They just have oh. have it there, and they just serve pizza and coffee. Nice. Yeah, which is actually pretty good existence. I was going to say, that's actually a pretty good combination. So <laughs> it's really not great. even mad. They, they have Hedges pizzas. Oh, yes. And they cost the exact same as at a grocery store. Nice. Uh, and they just make it for you, and it's free. It's free. Their, their labor is free. Their labor and energy to cook it. Yes. <clears throat> and you don't have to throw out any trash. Why would I ever buy a Hedgie's Pizza where I can go to the Black Heart of St. Paul and they can just make me a Hedgie's Pizza? I mean, I assume they pay less than we would. Obviously, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. no, that's, yeah. that's got to so be that, a loss leader to get you in the door then. Yeah, it's great. But, um, 
Yes, so the World Cup of Cars. Is what Heck we're yeah, do. it's back. Because it, it is the same thing as World Cup anyway, so whatever. Um, yes, <laughs> so this year, what I've noticed from the first time we've done the World Cup of Cars, a lot of countries have begun making their own cars that just, like, weren't making cars before. It's like, we don't have a supply shortage issue in this country. Let's make a car. Yeah, and so there's a lot of countries. Um, I was going to... I was expecting to have to disqualify a lot of countries, but most of them... I did make an exception where if a car is made in a country and it's a knockdown kit of, an, of a different vehicle, yeah, as long as the car is sold under the name of the manufacturing plant, yeah, as opposed to... Like the original brand, so if a car like if you look at like, like the Zamyad, yeah, more like uh, here. Let's see here. There's a Moroccan-made Dacia Sandero. Oh yes, um, that is sold as a Dacia Sandero, but it's called Dacia of Morocco Sandero. That is a mouthful. Yeah. What does the badge say? Does it say Dacia of? I think it actually says, like, of Morocco below it. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, so they actually had their own thing. And there's a lot of, the, of other ones that I found that make cars. So, like, in Cameroon, they have Cameroon Auto, which apparently exists, and they sell rebadged Chinese cars. All right. It's just Chinese cars, and at the Chinese car factory, they make the entire car. It comes to Cameroon. There's a Cameroon like factory. A they staple that? a badge on it, and they send it out the door. Yeah. It's, it's called, like, a Cameroon Auto. Like 99.5% parts content China. Yeah, pretty One, much. 0.5% <laughs> Cameroon. Exactly. But the Cameroon yeah, badge it, falls it, out. It still makes jobs. So my thing is, if a car is in a country being produced and it makes jobs, it then counts. I also went with some historical cars because there's a lot of countries where I want to do their automotive history writ large. Um, and stuff like, if you look at American cars, like, our cars suck right now. Yeah. But they used to not suck. Well, as I mean, much. shits and starts. Yeah. So I, I wanted it more than us, but there's some countries like Serbia. Serbia, I'm giving them the Yugo because the Yugo was made in. Serbia is technically Serbian. Like Zastava's factory was in Serbia, not in like Croatia or Montenegro. Okay, so I'm considering like past brands to be part of the actual country that they're in. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of cases too where the country used to produce a nationalized vehicle and they don't anymore. Yeah, that's a lot of these too. Um, I was noticing the first one that I pulled up just to preload is uh, they're all black and white. There's a lot of black and white photos. Okay. Yep. So that's fine. We're going to start with, uh, so we're going to go with group stages. The first two episodes Ooh. this week and next week, we're going to have four group stages. Uh, in the group stage, the countries that are in the group will uh, battle against each other for a prize of nothing and except for P points. And, and uh, we, we may put you on the, the our, background. The judging criteria is entirely subjective <sighs> on what we feel at that exact moment in time. Yep. Uh, you that's... can have a car that's adorable, and it's just so heartwarming that it can beat a supercar. So, and it probably will. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think last time it was the Zamyad Z24 that actually won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I ran was the 2020 or no, the 2018 World Cup finalist. It was, it's been a while. Yeah, it's 2018. It was definitely before the world it's, imploded. It was, yeah, it was four, four years. It's every four years. So yeah, 2018. Oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have Qatar, which has a lot of vaporware. Cars. Just Great. things that don't exist. Not to be confused with vapor, vapor wave. Very cool. Vaporware is not cool. Correct. So, Qatari car brands. 
Yeah, I didn't preload anything for Qatar. No, no, so. there's not anything. Uh, all car brands made in Qatar. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. There's uh, Gap Corp, Jedaya Corp, Nasser bin Khalid Those and Sons, Stammer Benz Middle East, Levant L FCE, <laughs> Q Auto, Ibn Arani Auto, Al Hamad Auto. None of these have actually made a like a viable, no, tangible no, no. car that can be driven. Tax down the shelters. Road. Yes, these are all tax shelters. There's like, um, like a homegrown Qatari like supercar that's like an EV that looks like a cross between a Vector W8 and that Mercedes rotary supercar that they try to make oh, in the seventies. Yeah. It's yeah. a combination of those. It doesn't exist, so I'm not going to even bother giving it the time I've of day. Really. About that rotary Mercedes. Yeah, and it's about as. So much fiberglass. Yeah, it, it 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 exists about as much on the road about as much as this does. I don't know. This one doesn't even have a real version. There's a like concept car, but the concept car is definitely on like 17 inch FRS wheels. Ah, yeah. So, Qatar, you're the only country in the world that gets disqualified from the World Cup, which is fine because you have a terrible human rights record. Uh, the car that was going to fight against the Qatar, uh, the Qatari vaporware car, um, was actually ten out of ten adorable. It's called the Amisa Condor GT, and Look this was guy. made by in Ecuador by <laughs> Amisa, and it is a cross between an a Isuzu Gemini and a Vauxhall Chevette, which oh is like the best of both worlds for nineteen seventies cars. Um, it was rear-wheel drive. Nice. It was manual. Nice. You could get it as a hatchback or a coupe. Um, it had a 2.3 liter in line four. Oh, nice. I assume that's the... Oh, wait. No, that wouldn't be the Lima, because that's a GM product. It, well, these are all kind of GM-related things, but... Um, I'm just it, trying to think of what that Va- engine would Vauxhall be. would be GM. Yeah. But it, was Va- it was GM Europe. Um, hmm. So what's cool is... In Europe, the Vauxhall Chevette 2300 HS came with a Lotus-developed 16-valve cylinder head. Nice. Very rad. Um, obviously did not come in this one. But, well, could but be installed, none, though. Yes, exactly. It could be feasibly installed. Um, I bet you there's one in the world that has that installed. Probably. It'd be really awesome. Because, yeah, it was uh, 16-valve, tw- dual-rate cam, twin-side draft carburetors, 135 horsepower. That's a really impressive power figure for a four-cylinder in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. That's for like, any car in the 70s, that's Corvette power in the 70s. I was going to say, that's a five-liter V8 in the US of A. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they also had like versions of like body kits on them from the factory and the Vauxhall Chevette. Uh, however, this version did not really get most of that. Uh, this version uh, was made in 1980. It was largely made of fiberglass. Um, and it shows. Yep, and... Apparently, it was actually a more or less fairly solid vehicle because it had the front bits of a Vauxhall Chevette and the rear bits of a Isuzu Gemini. And the Isuzu Gemini, as you know, is like one of my favorite Japanese cars of all time. Um, and I guess from what I understand, there was some amateur rally racing done with them. I believe that. Because uh, it looks as cute as a button. Oh, it's rear-wheel drive. It's probably lightweight. It had really good power figures. Why not? Uh, well, optional power figures. I think, well, okay. I, I think what people would do is people in Ecuador <clears throat> with, that had more than two nickels would... Uh, rub them together. Yeah, rub them together, get the twin cam carburetor, intake manifold, a second carburetor, stick that on, and then you have more power. Probably, yeah, I mean, imagine you're not going to be doing the Lotus head because that's going to be really expensive. Well, to 
import it, yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure you could do a twin cab, a twin cam carburetor manifold and a pair of side drafts on it, and it looks cool as hell. And even if you're not winning, you're still going sideways and smiling because it looks adorable. So, 1980 Ecuador, Ecuadorian Amisa, Ecuador, what is of being from Ecuador? Ecuadorian? Ecuadorian Amisa Condor GT is the winner of Qatar versus Ecuador. All right. Make uh, sure to note that in the... Uh, yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's because Qatar is... Well, I understand, but when I have to go through for the, the notes... I will... What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through here, Control-Shift-S. Nope, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do a strike-through. Uh, I'll, oh. I'll I'm a bold the winner, okay? That works. I'll just bold the country name, because that's going to make everything easy. Got oh, it. Fuck, actually... I'm going to bold and italicize the winner. There you go. So it doesn't match the Yes, the exactly. <laughs> so uh, the next group right, that is going to be going head-to-head is going to be Senegal versus the Netherlands. So I did not know the Netherlands made anything. The Netherlands makes great vehicles. Um, oh, my God. Last time they looks were... Looks like a Peugeot. So that is actually the Senegal. It was a Senegali car. Uh, Senegalese car. Um, but, yeah, the Netherlands makes a bunch of great cars. Last time the Netherlands was um, represented by the Donkervoort GTO. I remember that. that. Yes, cool yeah, car. okay. Uh, but I'm giving them a different vehicle that's very adorable. So in... Um, I'm sure they appreciate it. In Senegal, they have... This is a perfect example of a car that is made in Senegal, sold under its own name. But it is the ico Samand. The ico Samand is a knockdown of an Iranian sedan called the um, Iran Chondro Samand, which is a knockdown of a... Who made that one? God, Sorry. this is like a Lada. It's a knockdown of a knockdown. I think Lada's involved <laughs> here, actually. Um... Oh, no, Peugeot is involved. So, this which looks is, like yes, a French car. It does so. look like a French car, which is a knockdown of a Peugeot 405. Yep. Okay. But made today. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. <laughs> so, oh, probably rides pretty well. Yeah, no, it was made from 2001 to 2022 based off a car from the 90s. So oh, my if God. you're a really big fan of the oh, 90s Peugeot 405. You can, good news. <laughs> get a, Boy, howdy. You can get a brand new one. <laughs> what does it have for powertrain? I'm on the image um, page right now. Is it Theoretically, still French engines? So the engine that actually came to Senegal was the EF7 engine, which is 113 horsepower, 1.7 liter. Okay. Um, they had some other 110 horsepower engines, 1.8s, 1.6s. So I guess you do technically get the best engine. Good thing it is manual only. Oh, yeah. There's not even options. Look at for this automatic. enthusiast, this purebred enthusiast, machine. Yeah, this is a machine right there. Uh, very good. Uh, Fuel consumption is adequate. How many liters per 100 kilometers? Um, oh, if it doesn't list that, that's it fine. It says 7.3. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's in conjunction with, but it's middle of the pack with all the other engine okay. options. So That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I think that's uh, like 35 mpg. Apparently there's a diesel mm. one that was available in Iran. Oh, um, yeah. This car is also made in, let's see here, Azerbaijan. Venezuela, Syria, currently. How many batches of tooling did they have? Apparently a lot of them. I guess. Belarus. Ugh. Wow. And Egypt. So pretty much everybody makes this car. Wow. They must have had a very low bid yeah, for the I, IP. Yeah, I feel, I feel like the Ico Samand is the, like, it's the unsung, like, modern Beetle. 
Uh, or like the Centra or whatever yeah, it was that yeah, was made. Through, yeah, that like, was made in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's the unsung modern version of that. So this is going to be going up against the oh my God. Uh, Dutch, uh, from the Netherlands, I should say, um, Dutch, DAF Daffodil, which is as cute as the name it, it implies. It's amazing. I want one of these very badly. This is my favorite European car. Daff, uh, Daffodil. It looks like a Ford Anglia. It kind of does. Ugh. It competed with the BMW 700. Okay. And the Ford Anglia. So, yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, it was sold from 1961 to 1963. Or, oh. sorry, in, so, 1961 to 1967. That's pretty good. They made a 150000 and change. Okay. They're made in Eindhoven, Netherlands. And oh they're designed God, what by... What a Dutch freaking name. They're designed by Johan van der Bruggen. Uh, it had a 746cc flat twin, manual only. Uh, it was... Is a four-stroke? I don't know. Okay. Oh, it is a four-stroke. Yes, it's four-stroke nice. air-cooled boxer. So, yeah, that's... Well, that's, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a twin, so it's not a boxer. They probably stole it from a 2CV or something. Probably, but it apparently made... 30 horsepower. That's pretty good. Yeah, zero to 50. That's really good. Zero to 50 of 29 seconds. That's tolerable. Yeah, and it was tested by Consumers Union in the United States. Did this come here? That'd be very based if I could get one here. Oh, God. I only recently learned what based meant. Yeah, based is a good term. Yep, no, I know. Um, They did have a very cursed claim to to fame, though. Oh? It was the very first... Mass-produced CVT car. Oh, no. They had a manual, but they also had a CVT. Oh, what was the take rate? Um, mostly manual, okay, because good. the right, CVT good. was pretty terrible. Um, <coughs> well, even the manual, apparently, was weird. Huh. Because... When there are cars, it was, like, really bad They manuals, had no but... conventional gearboxes. Was it just, like, a pre-selection manual and, like, it an mu- early must CVT? It must have been, yeah. That was the era of pre-selection. People yeah. were like, oh, that's the new hotness. Gotta yeah. have that. That's it, like when they put Tiptronic in the automatics. It's like, really, guys? Yeah, no, it's a very strange car. Um, however. So now I have to pick between the knockdown of the French now, car now, and the now, daffodil? There, there's more to this. Okay. Um, the CVT had a essential feature that in reverse, a system allowed it to go the top speed in reverse as it would forward so the car could go zero to 50 in 19 seconds forward or backwards that's cool that needs to be considered and it was also partially designed so johan van der Bruggen worked with giovanni giovanni michelotti uh, oh, that's that last name is very familiar. Yeah, so you I would, feel like I should know who that is. Giovanni Michelotti is like one of the big three of Italian designers. Um, he designed um, like the Aston Martin DB2. He did a lot of Bertone designs. Okay, the Alpha 6C, the the original Alfa Romeo Giulietta, uh, the Lancia Proa, Lancia Flavia, Appia. Um, for lot so of early, a lot a of a lot of red wine. Yeah, a lot of early Ferraris. He did the original bodywork, the Vignali bodywork for the 250 Ooh, uh, Ferrari. Okay. Yep. Um, he did all the good Maseratis of the 60s. Uh, he did the pretty much actually he just did all of the Triumphs. Every Triumph is his. Okay. He did the BMW 2002. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. probably why that yeah, was Yeah, that's probably why you know him. Uh, he did a lot of good things. Um Alpine A110 was him, Armstrong Sidley, 
Uh, yeah, this guy is given uh, Jir, Jir, um, yeah. Oh yeah, no, Jirara yeah. run for his money. You know, Contessa Matra five thirty, the Lola Ultimo, Fort Sestalia, Fort Anglia. Ah, uh, yep, okay. Ciara two oh eight, Reliant Scimitar, Prince Skyline Sport. He did a lot of really, really, really good vehicles. The Prince Skyline Sport, I think, was my favorite of his. But he did a lot of really cool things. So he was involved with the da- with the Daffodil. So. The DAF Daffodil, the car that could go top speed in reverse, <laughs> and is very cute. The, mi- the Michelotti bodied, the Michelotti fast bodied reversing car, car that can go as fast in reverse <laughs> as it can forward, or the uh, Ico Samand made in Senegal. Uh, well, I don't think this Peugeot four hundred five knockdown with its one point seven and manual box can do fifty miles an hour in reverse. Yeah, I don't think so. Oops, sorry. Uh, it's also not from pre Um Yeah, no, it, it's a good car, but like I think we're giving it to the Daffodil. Yeah, it has to go to the Daffodil because the Saman just isn't. It doesn't capture my heart. Oh, is the Daffodil rear wheel drive? Yes. Okay, well, I, that's I'm pretty sure. There you go. I'm pretty sure it's rear wheel drive. I'm not going to look that up. I'm just going to say yes. Okay. Yeah. So then the Daffodil S? wins. No, Control S isn't strike through. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how you can do strike through, and I cannot remember for the life of me. Now. Moving on to Group B, we have England versus Iran. In real life, Iran got trounced by England. Uh, they had, like, a football, an American football score versus Iran. Okay. Uh, Iran had, I think it was, like, one goal versus eight. It's Alt-Shift-5. Alt-Shift-5. Thank you. You're welcome. I will do that in the future. I'm, I'm going to do that real quick on <clears throat> Qatar and Senegal. I had to look that up real quick. Cool. Sorry. Showing you guys the notes. Five. But. Senegal. I want to see if that actually works. Yeah, it does. Okay, good. All right. Um, Perfect. That actually helps me a lot. (laughs) All right. So England versus Iran. You you said the MG4. Well, I understand it's a Chinese-made thing, but like they are so nationalistically proud of that thing. I know. It's like I know it's Chinese, so you can exclude it if you want. I just that's the thing. Like I want to. This is kind of where you get get into a weird thing uh, because England doesn't make its own shit anymore. Correct. now, the MG4, but there's a lot of older stuff. The MG is entirely Chinese-made mm-hmm. in the same way that would, – would we count a modern Mini as English? Yeah, because the VIN pulls up as a – British? Yeah. So it's like the Rolls-Royce. It's like right. it's got a – Would you rather have it – have England be represented by the MG4 or the Lotus Eclat? So it doesn't matter because they're pr- both probably going to lose to the uh, <laughs> yes. competition. Yeah. Um, so – Oh my god! I should know somebody with an eclat. What? How? Uh, it's a long story. Um, is, I had to think of what was like the most English car, and I thought of the eclat because the eclat is what England's very good at is things being tremendous on paper. Yeah. Yes. Because like, it, yeah, it's a it's a V eight. Well, no, no, this wasn't the later ones. I think were it, it, either way. It, it <clears> came. It, at the very least, it had a dual cam Lotus engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a Lotus twin it cam engine. It was a Lotus, for sure. Yeah. It had Ooh. pop-up headlights. It was a hatchback. It was wedge-shaped. Well, let's go with the Eclat. very cool. But when you look at the Eclat, <laughs> all of those things are put together in the worst possible configuration. Yeah. It's just terrible. As this is did. like Leyland era. It was it, it was a two-liter uh, inline four. Okay. And it came with an automatic as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was bad. Why um, are none of the Zamyad Z24 photos loading in the Japlopnik article? Uh, probably because it's an ancient article. You can just can 
con like, control T, Zamia Z24, and just look at photos of it. We know what it is. It's a 70s Mazda that's made today, and it just does truck stuff. We had we've we've showed videos of them like hauling. Oh like, yeah, like giant, fifty girders. Yeah, fifty girders, and they just drive forward briskly. Yeah, exactly. Every Zamyat Z24 has that much shit in the back of it at oh, all man. times. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter what it, it could be a McLaren F1. Like, it's not going <laughs> to beat that. Like, yeah, there is a competition. A sorry, car that's not sorry, running. England. <clears throat> at least Iran moves forward. With cars, because England just sucks. No, that's the story. It was actually the, the hack mechanic that used to write, or he probably still writes for Rondell. I, uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook after he came and did a, um, an event for the local BMW car club, but he found one of these on Craigslist, and he's like, I shouldn't do that. And but here like, it is. He emailed the guys, like, do you happen to know like why it isn't running? And they like started talking to the point where he like went out just out of curiosity to help the dude get it running with no intention of buying it. And then he bought it. And then he bought it. <sighs> that kind of sounds like it. <clears throat> and my Taylor Finger really wants one. But it had, no, it had been engine swapped with a Rover V8. Oh, Somebody weird. had put oh, a Rover, okay. that's what it was. Somebody that, had put a Rover V8 in one of these. So, gosh, what a cursed. And it was in the East Coast, so you know it's going to be terrible. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that's incredible. I was following this Taylor on Facebook. Taylor Finger quite like, oh badly wants one of these. Oh my God. Because it's like the cheapest. Of course he does. Yeah, it's the cheapest possible Lotus, and like his end goal is getting a Lotus. Because like, so, I'm, do I'm you know, not at all surprised. Do you know that. Emilio Resegna? No. So Emilio bought a Lotus. Okay. And Lotus, I'm convinced, is not a real car brand. Because he was showing us the stinky things that are on his car from the factory. His his Lotus, he's like a Lotus Elise. It's okay. very nice. It's his autocross car. It's like perfect condition. Okay. Um, the VIN uh, like tags are yeah. literally label makers that they just typed the VIN into. And then they just popped it on there. Well, They're, I mean, it probably legally conforms. It does legally conform. But like conform. that is the, we'll talk about the bare minimum there. Yeah. Uh, Why would we spend money on pressing machines or a little die kit? The what is the switch for? I think it's traction control or something. There's like a switch on the dashboard okay. that's just haphazardly placed, and it is an AutoZone round rocker switch with a blue LED yeah, on yeah, it from yeah. the factory, and it's off-centered. Incredible! Oh my god! The schmear that like holds in the weather stripping. Yeah. The glue oh. is coming <clears throat> out from the weather stripping everywhere. It is just. It's not a real car car brand. <laughs> it's really just that's, something else. I really like it though. Oh, yeah. I'm like that's just so representative. No, they're they're so stinky. That's why that's why Taylor wants one because it's the stinkiest like new car. My uncle really wants a first gen Elise. Yeah, I I'm like they're, oh, they're they're so stinky. They're like just the stinkiest cars. So. But to get one that's like in running driving condition is stinky, yeah. so hard. Yeah, because they're stinky. I know. It's incredible. Uh, all right, so we're gonna move on to the United <laughs> States versus Wales. Uh, you've discovered a Welsh car that I'd never heard of. We'll yes. get to that in a second. I, I uh, made a contribution. Yes. In the United States, I had to go with oh, something God. that I viewed as the most American vehicle. And I feel like this truck actually represents America to a T. The Jeep Grand Wagoneer. The original one. The last carbureted road vehicle sold in this country. It held on to a carbureted engine forever. Oh, it has wood paneling. It was the very first... Uh, luxury SUV, which I think yeah. is like very representative of the United States. Yeah, it could actually do off-road stuff while being luxurious, which is cool. So it's yeah. kind of like a Range Rover, but reliable. <laughs> True. Uh, it had an inline-six engine that was a derivative. By the time that was out of 
production that had been produced by five companies that had all gone defunct that had previously gotten the, they, by previously, no fault of the engine though they've previously purchased the licensing to make that engine like it was designed by was it AMC originally? No, I think it was somebody before was, them even. It was Rambler made the engine. Rambler was purchased by Nash. Nash became AMC. AMC uh, was wow. purchased by Will. No, I think no. Willie's was before AMC, wasn't it? Willie's, yeah, Willie's bought the engine. AMC oh my God. bought Willys, and then incredible. Chrysler got it. So it's five brands that made this engine. It's from the 50s, basically. But it was perfect. It was a perfect inline Except six. for the last two years it was made. Because the last two years they had to try and make a 1950s engine conform to modern regulations yep. and it wasn't. A... It's basically like the thermal reactor nonsense. And the, like, the only reason the small block Chevy was able to be in production for as long as it has yeah. is because when that came out, that was like peak technology like the, the small block chevy in like 1955 yeah was equivalent to the lt1 in the 80s with like how groundbreaking it was yeah and the, ex, the only exception was it was extremely powerful and it wasn't didn't suck so right. um, well i mean a compact form factor mattered a little bit too but yeah. not for its longevity but the thing is this is where the grand wagoneer becomes even more american is the grand wagoneer really just wilted on the vine. It was in production for way too long. They did nothing oh, yeah. with it. And Could have been it, an FCA product. By 1994, if you think about this, the Grand Wagoneer was discontinued five years before the Escalade came out. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you just think of, like, they are both in the same class. They are both a luxury SUV. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mind-blowing to oh think about God. that. But that vehicle, the one that you see on the screen, yeah. was made in 1994, and five years later, you would have the Escalade being made, which was effectively a modern American SUV. Oh, God. And then they brought back the Grand Wagoneer. Yeah, recently. As, yes. As the, <clears throat> you know, as much as I want to like it, I know what it is, and it's just a tasteful tack on name where it just has nothing to do with the original product. My biggest issue with that thing is they have the Grand Cherokee L mm-hmm. already. Well, I mean, you can have a luxury SUV. Like, they had the Jeep Commando or Commander. whatever. Commander. Yeah. I like Commando better. Commando's cool. Um, <clears throat> they had the Jeep Commander. Actually, Commando was a trim level of the Jeepster. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they had the Commander, but they have, like... Jeep's capable of, like, making a luxury SUV. They chose to stick on that name because America loves to stick names of, like, old successful cars onto new cars that have no soul. Oh, the Mustang Mach-E. Exactly. And that's exactly what the modern Jeep Wagoneer is. True, So that's why I really think that perfectly sums up the United States. (laughs) It's a perfect representation of us. And, yeah, it's an SUV. It's used... Like, we adapted something that was never intended for this purpose, but everyone used it that way. It's like, yeah. well, let's just make it for that, then. Exactly. Uh, pickup trucks are designed for farm work, but you're taking them to shop. Exactly. So I guess we'll just give yeah. you one with heated seats. Exactly. And so the Jeep Wagoneer, all the way up to the modern <laughs> one, is a perfect representation of American vehicles. I just love the carburetor story. The carburetor story is hilarious. So they kept the carburetor until 1984. It's just insane. <sighs> um, and then, so... Tell me about this Gilburn Genie. I've never heard of this. Uh, so I just stumbled upon this today, and it was like, I, you know, I wonder, like, Brexit was imported from Wales, and it's a fascinating place. It's got beautiful roads, but it's really it's only known place, yeah. for, like, the tourist The tourist trophy, trophy. and the PLP 50. Right. 
This so, is a actually very cool vehicle. It yeah. is a very cool vehicle, and it is like the only vehicle that was ever Welsh made that garnered any notoriety. It looks like a Jaguar XJ, but like if you had Michael Adi on his Vignali days, like rebody on like a, like a it's early seventies XJ. It's really cool. It's got some like early DB vibes to it too. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Because yeah. like, he did the DB. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Like, In fact, like, I didn't even also, confirm who he, penned this, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. It looks like it's a Michael Adi or a Vignali design. It's really, really cool. I like the wire wheels on it. I like the little like faux hood scoot up on it. I mean, it's essentially a knockdown of an MG underneath, but like it's still. In fact, That's it probably fine. was Michelotti bought or designed yeah. then because it, it. You know, all the underpinnings are from the mainland in England. So it's it, it's effectively an MG tour with a SX V6 or a two and a half liter inline six, which is very cool. It's definitely the best engine of that era. That's so, very rare. It just seems like a like the best way to parts bin, and yeah, it's it's got this a very perfect. unique look to it. Yeah, I had not heard of it before today either. That's super duper cool, which is I weird because really like, we've covered a lot of weird. I shit. I really like Silodrome. <laughs> they have so much cool stuff. On <laughs> like, this is great. It's like, even like a modern photo. Look at that. Yeah, no, this is a modern one, so you can like get parts for this. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just Austin Healy yeah. MG and Ford. I mean, like you body know. parts, whatever, but they wouldn't fit anyway. So you might yeah. as well just make them. Well, all the body's a one off, so. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fascinating. It's a cool car. And like, I don't want one, but like it's cool. But it also, drives nice. The TVR Griffith is gonna be coming back to Wales. Oh, yeah. Apparently, that's what it says in the article. It's gonna have a Ford Coyote V8 in it. Oh, yeah. And a chassis designed by Gordon Murray, but that's not out yet. This one's out. This that's one exists. Kind of cool. Space frame. This is really cool. I want uh, I want TVR to succeed, but at the same time, it's almost a better car company when it's setting itself up for like failure after no, four or five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, th- that's how a TVR should operate. A TVR should. It's th- like Maserati back in the day. T- well, even today, like TVR, <laughs> TVR and Maserati are two brands that <clears throat> exist solely to put other brands. They are a vanity project that put other brands out of business. Yep. Like, what's the um, the Spanish palace that's been being worked on for like 200 years. I uh, should know that as a... You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I mean, I'm almost an architectural historian major, but... Mm, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I, you can imagine yeah, the building. Yeah. It's something in Spanish. But, it, th- yeah, these brands are like that building. Like, that building has been under production during the monarchy, during Franco, oh, and during modern Spanish. Part yeah. of the reason why it's taking so long is things keep evolving and they keep trying to update it with the new styles. Yes. But then they end up redoing all the preservation and restoration work because yeah, they're resto modding the building. Oh, Sorry, my uh, my ringtone there, which I never get phone calls, is, uh, is a guy saying, uh, God damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I feel inside when my phone rings. Um. But yeah, no, the Gilbert Genie, uh, that kicks the shit out of America. I'm just gonna say that objectively, like we can't cope with that. Uh, it's it's better because I it's, mean it's it's pretty. You can probably still get parts for it. Uh, it was also carbureted and it was also rear wheel drive, so it shares that with the Grand Wagoneer. But it's just better in every way. It is. Yep, okay. it looks good. Be, um, so yeah, we're, we're gonna right. we're gonna let the Gilbert and Genie win this yes, one. Yes, and the United States is going to control Shift Five. Yep. <laughs> Or Alt Shift Five. All right, so we, what a weird key combination, by the way. I know, right? Thanks, All right, Google we have Docs. Two more groups we need to finish up, and <clears throat> we can move on to okay. the rest of our stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, our next group is going to be Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. Oh this my is going to be a laydown for Argentina. 
Um, the Persang. I didn't know Persang was from there. Yeah. Well, do you know why they're there? No. I'm sure you told me last time we went over oh, like, it's the incredible. Persang. Um... Why would you imagine there is a European brand in Argentina post-World War II? Because uh, of the Falklands War? No. No? It's no. a different war. Oh, great. That's much worse. Oh, God. It is exactly what you think. It's because a bunch of Nazis went to Argentina, <laughs> and they brought all their stolen Bugattis with them. Oh, and when they had all their stolen Bugattis there, uh, the Argentinian government did not allow imports of, of parts. If you did import stuff, it was an insane tariff on them. So what they did is a mechanic in Argentina oh, my God. just took a, a Bugatti Type 35 had every single part made from the ground up so he could maintain these for all these new German, or not German, European immigrants. Right. Yeah. European immigrants, <laughs> yeah, right. They mm-hmm. are technically European immigrants. Oh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> um, and so he would maintain their cars. And eventually, he they noticed, oh my God, we could just make a whole new Bugatti Type 35. Right. Our catalog been... is now so extensive where it's a Model T. Yeah, so they just make them. And they're about $220,000, whereas a real Bugatti Type 35 is about $3.5 million. And the Persang version is... It seems like a bargain, it's a frankly. Really deal. It's a yeah. screaming deal. Yeah. Also, it's a lot of car for the, the money. The Persang version, they did one massive upgrade to it. Oh, wasn't it the bearings? Yes. Yeah, they got yeah. rid of the Babbitt bearings. Yeah. You can upgrade <clears throat> them, or you can have Babbitts. You can... Upgrade it, it to is, shittier a, bearings. It, it is, no, it's a, no to modern. Bearings. Oh, okay, okay. No, for, for nine thousand dollars, okay. you can have the modern. I'm sorry, bearings. I thought it defaulted to modern it's, bearings, it, and like, you could do a paid upgrade to the nine thousand dollar upgrade. It's insane. Well, I, yeah, all new connecting rods probably yep, do something exactly. else to the crank. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, totally different <clears> cranking connecting rods. So got Babbitt bearings. What yeah, a hell of a thing. So, and per saying they make <clears> these cars to like such a high standard that uh, at the Bugatti Museum they have a per saying they don't have a real one. And a lot of people that have real ones buy Persangs as track as track cars, and they are you what can, a ridiculous goddamn thing. What I my favorite part of Persang is that they're called a recreation. Bugatti's totally okay with them making that, and they've actually been able to take these cars out to like concours, and they they do say that this is in fact a Persang. Yeah, but they have judges judge the car as it would be a Type Thirty Five, and they win. Like, they totally pass by judges. And they're like, the only thing, like, all that they have to do that is a giveaway is they have a Ventag with a... Is it a label maker label? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, they have a Ventag that's an assigned VIN. That's the only thing that is a giveaway. Is, is this, they will have assigned VINs as opposed to original VINs. It's okay. the only difference. Huh. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I uh, just grabbed one off Bringer Trailer. And if you look at, what does the VIN say if you look at the Essentials box? Um. Oh, uh, does it say? It will. It'll be there. Let's see what the VIN is. Chassis FLA106856? Yeah. yeah, so that's probably, that's a Florida assigned VIN. Okay. They all have assigned VINs. That's the only giveaway. Huh. Yeah, they're perfect repro- uh, reproductions. So. Oh, God, man, the, the engines are just so beautiful and tiny. Yeah, and the even, like, they, like, they're, even, they make the tires and everything, like, <laughs> that's every ridiculous. single part. That you could get on a Type 35 is made, made by Persang. Saudi Arabia is still being represented by the same piece of shit they had last time called the Ghazal One, which is oh, a body no. G-Wagon. And it is horrible looking. That is a war crime and should be never, ever, ever seen by the public. Wow. So the Ghazal One by default loses because it's terrible in every way. <laughs> and automatic I'm only. guessing that was not a uh, an accidental pairing. 
No, it was literally all that they had. Okay. It was the only vehicle made in Saudi Arabia. Well, they, imagine they, having that as your only contender instead of, like, Wales. Yeah, or Argentina. True. Is, actually, Argentina has a couple of cars, but this is by far the best. So, also... Oh. It gives me a chance to remind everybody that all the Nazis in World War II went to Argentina, because Argentina is a terrible place. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, next will be... Actually, this is a really hard match. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Mexico is the Mestrada MXT. Yeah, and that's... And the Mestrada MXT is basically a modern, like, okay. 90s MR2. I was gonna, it was based on some other car. I have no idea. Uh, but There was uh, a, that one angry Top Gear episode. Yes. About it. I remember it. they did one. And they actually said that car wasn't that bad. Um, it's pretty cool. It's got, like, a smart roadsterish front end. That's kind of interesting. But... Yeah, it, it's... I mean, what I like about it is it's a two-liter turbo... Or it's a two-liter... Uh, yeah, turbo, five-speed manual car that you can not get with an automatic. Manual um, only is always good. Yeah, and... I've only ever seen these in yellow, so I think they only made one. No, they made a few. That was a joke. But uh, it was... A, but this is the thing. Is it was a Volkswagen 2.0. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's oh, an the FSI? Yellow one, it was, the yellow one was the pre-production version. The okay. production version... Uh, production was constructed... Why would you and... source your powertrain from Volkswagen? Oh, all right. The production version ended up having a Ford Duratec. Okay. Four, which oh, is thank much goodness. better. That is such a better engine. Yeah. And there's an immense amount of aftermarket support for those. This car is actually, other than the engine, mostly its own thing. Duratec is, is a good engine. Uh, yeah. Ford of the British, British Ford, whatever... That country, to their credit, has developed such an enormous aftermarket support system for the Duratec and it's Z-Tech engine. engines, yeah. mainly because of Cosworth, where they just get yeah. bored and tune up Ford engines for old uh, Cortinas and stuff like that. Exactly, but, yeah. Like, yeah, you can make like almost 400 NA horsepower out of a Duratec. Yeah, and so it, it's a $58,000 car. That's a um, lot. Yeah, but, I mean... Well, I guess these days it really isn't. It's got double wishbone suspension... Uh, Coilover shocks, carbon fiber body elements, aluminum if it's not made of carbon fiber. Well, that's kind of nice. What it's rest? got a curb weight of 930 kilograms. Not very lightweight. Yeah, it's huh. really light. Okay, I, that thing's cooler than I thought. Yeah, so the MXT is actually an objectively good vehicle. And it gives the Elise a run for its money. Like, it's a Mexican Elise, basically. I wonder how the dynamics are, but uh, it's pretty hard to screw it up when it's that light. Yeah, you can't. Is it mid-engine? Really, it's it really, yeah, it's yeah. mid-engine. It's really hard to fuck up something like that. Like... And it's going against a oh, man. Maluch Fiat Polsky 126P, which I, oof, I, I cannot in good faith judge against a 126P. Oh yeah, half the world will be against you if you say something ill of a 126P. Yeah, and it's it beat me being the Soviet car fan I am. Um, they are just so cool. I was watching Robos stream last night. He was doing a BMG drive yeah. and he had a mod of a 126P and he was trying to do a Nürburgring lap and it just looping it constantly. Yeah. I'm I, like, oh, I have, great. The, I have <sighs> that beaming drive as well. It's great. Um, the most powerful engine was 26 horsepower, which is a lot less than 250. Maniacs. Um, so much power. Yeah. God, I, I, I have to, I, I'm putting my, I am, the 126P wins. Okay, cool. I, I can't possibly say no to the 126P. It's just like... Look at it's that the, face. Yeah, and not only that, like, it's the national car. Like, the Mex- oh the, my God. The Mestrella MXT, it's cool and Dude, all. if you go to Poland 
it's like 30% of cars on the road are 126Ps. Yeah, and like, and it's not like for lack of other vehicles. No, no, no. Like, people love them because yeah. they're great. And so, yeah, a 126P, it's, I can't vote against that. No, 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 that wins. Yeah, we have it, no contention here. Uh, all right, and then group that was Group C, so we're moving on to Group D, which will be the last group that we're doing today, today uh, for this episode. Oh, man. Uh, oh, why must I choose? France versus Australia. Oh. The Renault Aventon. I, had, I chose the Aventon for you because I knew you'd want oh, man. that. And versus <clears throat> the HSV Malou. I really like a Malou. <sighs> the Malou's good. I was going to do the Holden Sandman because I really like the Sandman even more than the Malou. Oh, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but I thought the Malou just kind of sums up Australia versus just dumb That's VA a U. Oh my god! Versus yeah. like the most French vehicle ever, where it's just every every single. I'm surprised that France has not made a rear engine front wheel drive car. <laughs> that seems like something France would do. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. That's like the most French combination of things. I bet that was in the original works for the, the Aventon. Ri- yeah, there was a version of the Aventon where it's like... They're going to put the boot in the front. There's a rear engine and front wheel drive, and you did it like... Your reasoning was that you'd have more like storage space in the front. They'd have some like weird reasoning on why that's better than rear Better engine. crash safety. Yeah, there's like some reason for why they would get around to like saying, yeah, this makes sense. Well, it's only got two seats in it, and you're going to put most of your weight in the front, so the engine should be in the back for better weight distribution. <laughs> exactly. But you want the traction advantage of French front-wheel drive, <laughs> yeah. so, so like here we are. Rearrange your front-wheel drive and have like a 40-degree rake. Best yet. <laughs> Make it like a through, like an electric generator yes. in the back and then have electric drive in the front so yeah. it's not physically coupled either exactly yeah like oh it's just something God. like that would be that, that would be the only thing that could possibly make an aventine more french but it's a it's a two-door minivan like a two-door four-seat minivan yeah it's a two-door four-seat minivan i can't and think, it almost bankrupted nissan yeah yeah not just reno but nissan like the, the parent entire, company the entire thing yeah the God, it is just it is so French. It, it, nobody bought it, and most of the tack in it was just a dead end. Oh yeah, not, none of it really went anywhere. Thankfully, the vast majority of them sold were six-speed manuals. Yeah, so they had an insane take rate on six-speed manuals. The HSV Malou is just I don't know, it's a modern like El Camino SS. I really like a Malou, but there's no way I'm voting against my heartthrob of on time. All right, so Australia, sorry, you don't move on out of group stage. Were, That's just I, dirty putting those two together, though. You should have picked something shittier from Australia. All right, or I mean, like better. No, that's the thing. Is I couldn't find like that was the most Australian vehicle. Cause no, you're, yeah, I, that's no. what, if you want to bring up a Holden Sandman, that was my other choice. That, that, that makes more sense. I know we've covered those before. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it is very Australian. Get yourself ready for the lowest pixel density photo. I don't. You were the only person in the world that has a hard time finding. That's fine. Don't worry. This was digitized from a car magazine. I'm sure in the 80s. Th- this is fine. I don't. The, 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 yeah, that's just how they look. That's, but yeah, you see, a Holden Malou's, or a Holden, <laughs> no, that's not Malou, a Holden Sandman is really cool. And also, that entire fiberglass top comes off, and it's a ute underneath. Of course it is. I'm sure there's a company that makes Sandman tops for a Malou. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, my God. That would be instantly if they had a Sandman Malou. I still have to get TJ to um, V8 swap his SV6, because right, it's not called a Malou when it's not a V8. Like, that's actually a trim level. 
Oh, um, that green one in town? Uh, yeah. That's a six cylinder? Yeah, it's a three six high feature <laughs> with a five HP nineteen automatic. There's, you're not gonna have to convince him. It will just blow up on its own. Oh, it, he's already put several transmissions in it and the engine we did some laps at Brainerd, I'm like okay. It's not gonna be around for long. Nope. So um, but he's selling his SS so he can put a V eight. So we have a similar to Mexico versus Poland, um, pairing here okay. for the Denmark versus Tunisia match. Denmark has the Zenvo TSRS, the Tilty Wing Boy. I remember that. And if you want to bring up a photo of that, you're taking my yeah, time. Well, I had, the other one had like a paywall or something else. I was just getting through that. Control W gets you out of there. There you yeah, go. I got it, though. And then the Zenvo TSRS, Tilty Wing Boy supercar, <laughs> uh, is going against... Is that against what that stands for? Tilty... Tilty Wing Boy, yeah. <clears throat> That's what it means in, in Danish. Um, Tunisia... So we had the Wally's car last time, which was their weird, like, Kia Sportage body take on a oh. Wrangler. They have a new one. Yeah. Uh, and it's called the Wally's car Isis. Wally's Isis. Iris, sorry. It's the Iris. The other one's the Isis. This is the Iris. And the Iris is cute. It's really cute. I love it a lot. Like, look at that face. Is it a knockdown or is it a bespoke thing? No, this is a thing. Wow. This is actually made in Tunisia. Oh, and it only has six slats in the grill, so it's not a Jeep. No. It is 82 horsepower, 0 to 60 in 13 seconds, a top speed of 158 kilometers per hour, which is incredibly slow. Peugeot um, Citroen engine. Yep, PSA powertrain. <clears throat> 1.2 liter classic. Yeah, and if you look, um, it has... I'm trying... Their website's not fun. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to scroll here. Uh, if you uh, zoom out from that photo, uh, there's actually... It has a removable top. Uh, it's not letting me do anything. Control minus. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's got a removable top on it, which is oh, kind of cool. gosh. It's it's fiberglass bodywork, three door convertible SUV, galvanized steel. Look at that gauge cluster it's got placement. A three year warranty. Oh man, they have no faith in this. Dude, thing. The... <laughs> <laughs> transmission traction. No idea what kind of transmission. What um yeah. What is the minimum we have to offer for a new car warranty? Exactly. Three years. Alright, well I guess. Uh it's the but the thing is it's actually designed to be like they put some It has four number of places. Yeah, they put some thought into, like, safety, I think, which is kind of cool for a African-produced vehicle. It has 4CV fiscal power. So 4CV is uh, tax rate number, or tax block number four. I just like that they call oh, it fiscal power. the colors available on it. You can get in black, you can get in white, pink, purple, blue, indigo, dark purple, lime green, Red, yellow, and orange. I like that it's sold in like 90% actual color. Yeah, no, this is actually, ooh, I like this <sighs> a lot. I also like that in the images on their website, you can see the obvious quality control problems where like <laughs> the mesh grill below the bumper. Uh, oh, you're looking at the same photo. Yep. If you look uh, just below the Y, there's a dent on the mesh. That's incredible. <laughs> Well, it's because it comes with the eBay body kit for a uh, 2008 Jeep Compass. Yeah, exactly. I finally figured out how to <gasps> navigate the website. It's up, down. Yeah, I, I was, yep. Um, I tried all It looks keys. like it might be automatic, but so does Zenvo, mm -hmm. so who cares? It says f in really bad English, five-speed manual. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you can get a five-speed manual, possibly. Which dates the powertrain, for sure. Yep. <clears throat> and I like, so you can clearly see that it comes with a glass roof option, which is really nice. I think I want a Wally's Car Iris. More than I want a supercar. 
Like, this actually looks kind of fun. Like, I would enjoy owning this more. It would definitely be a conversation starter. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you look at those interior photos, like, I'm just thinking... The gauge cluster placement is so baffling to me. It's like a foot above where it should be. Yes, it is. Well, this is also designed for safety. It's clearly designed on a, cha- a completely different chassis than it's supposed to be. Like, it was not supposed to be a truck, clearly. Well, yeah. And they made it into a truck. Um, but, like, if you look at that photo, I get the nice glass roof on it. Like, I, I would actually, if you're, if you had me go and pick up a car and you're like, you're going to be in Tunisia for a week. Here are your two options for your rental. I think I'm going to go with the Wally's car because I would enjoy that in the desert more than I would enjoy the Zenvo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would definitely. The Zenvo would be more fun on a racetrack, but like, how often do I go to a racetrack? It, it's instantaneous jail speed. I mean, the Zenvo, the, the power to weight ratio on that car is ridiculous. I think the Wally's car. I, Wally's car, we made fun of them so hard on their I'm first car. I'm still happy to make fun of them because it's a ridiculous piece of junk, but, like, that's... <laughs> worse cars are better. Yeah, okay? no, this is a perfect example. Like, I kind of <laughs> want this. Like, it's a manual, convertible, like, really bad SUV. Yeah. The it other probably, one is a It probably is a banging air conditioner. Oh. That air conditioner is great. It's going to take all it the is, CVs out of it. It is a glass roof SUV. That air conditioner... Works perfect. Sourced by AC Delco. Yeah, that is the <laughs> best AC you've ever had in your life. I, I think I'm going to have to go with the Wally's car. What do you think? Oh, yeah, those two, over, absolutely. Over the, yeah, yeah, the Zenvo. Zenvo. Yep. I, I just, I love hating Zenvo. <laughs> well, it's a great product, but, like, who cares? That's the same reason I don't care about a Koenigsegg. Yeah, like, it's I... It's like, yeah, it's a fantastic engineering exercise, and it's a fast car, but I also couldn't be bothered. Yeah, and th- that's exactly what this is. I think this is a perfect example of... That pairing is what you get on Carbitrage that you do not get with any other automotive media. Is this, everybody the Zenbo else versus a Wally's car? Everybody else would go with the Zenbo. But I'm like, no, objectively. We're if, not doing Camry versus Altima here, okay? Yeah, no, I, objectively, I would take the Wally's car Iris. I'd have more fun in that on a daily basis than with the Zenbo. The Zenbo, oh, sure. Yeah. Ultimately. Zenbo is also not available with a manual. The Zenbo, yeah. Like, if. Like, if if you're like, you're going to take this car to the Nürburgring. The Zinvo, obviously. No, absolutely not. But, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's some places where a Zinvo oh, yeah. would like make sense. Like, regular people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, people would get that and go, yeah, Zinvo makes sense. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But, like... Can you imagine how much fun you would have doing a lap of the Nordschleife in yeah, a Wallace car? Yeah, that would be a riot. It's the safest car made in Africa, which makes me <laughs> sleep better thinking about that. I... <laughs> It's 1993 crash standards. Here we come, boys. I mean, like, okay. There's that. I can, I can say those words. And those, those words mean things. <laughs> they are factually accurate statements, yeah, although a, we are omitting things. That, yes. Yeah. But, like, all right, I guess if I were to own either of these cars in Wales, specifically Wales, I take the Zenvo. That is where the car makes sense. Isn't yeah. it? Like, Wales or the Isle of Man. Like, somewhere where you have nice, curvy roads with nobody on them. And they're actually in good sense. shape. Yeah. But if I'm, like, enjoying North Africa, I'm going to take that Wally's car any day. Because it's perfect. Is it Slow all, car fast. Yeah. And then, like, all of the, like, windows, it's really nice. You have the air conditioner that works. You have a manual. Like, I, can, I could take that. I could enjoy the Wally's car 
in France. I could enjoy it in North Africa. I could enjoy it in St. Paul. This sounds like a children's book. I you could enjoy, enjoy the Wally's Car Iris in France. I could enjoy and it the, anywhere. Like a hand But like drawing. the Zenvo, like, you know what would really suck is the Zenvo in Los Angeles traffic. Oh my god. You would be great in the LA traffic? A Wally's car. <laughs> that would just be so much more comfortable. Like, I love that car way more as a daily car. You. Whatever you buy next that isn't a Fiat 500e is going to be just the most baffling thing, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's... the problem. Well, the problem is we can't buy any of this shit here. Well, the thing is, all right, most of the um, weird 90s cars that I want yeah. are still cheap, and I can now import them. So True. when I bought the Fiat... I could get the first year Twingo, which is not the one I wanted. I wanted a 97 Twingo specifically, because that's when you had the updated engine. It was a little bit more powerful. So, you can have a little bit more power as a little, treat. A little bit. It was just a tiny bit more. I would take the uh, post-97 uh, Twingo. And I do so, like the painted bumpers, too. Like, there's the something painted bumpers are nice. It. And then also, now I'm getting to the, uh, the Suzuki Wagon RRR that I can get. Like, oh, this. God. So many more cars I can buy now than I could buy in 2020. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, all well, right. The, the beauty is nobody has any money anymore, so you might actually be able to get one. Exactly. It's wonderful. Uh, Sorry, uh, my chair is. Me, I am part of that. People having no money. Well, I am too. I'm realizing that more every day, especially as things go wrong, which they do nonstop these all the days. Time. Yeah. Yep, everything's getting worse. Yep, all the everything's time. terrible. So. So moving on. Yes. We are going to go to Spain versus Costa Rica. These are two brands that you've never heard of. Have you heard of BTV? Uh, no. Have you heard of Pegaso? Pig Pegaso? Pegaso. No. Oh, my right. God. So oh, these, interesting. Like these two countries had vehicles oh God, that? that were, they had a lot of knockdown kits, but each country had its own domestically produced vehicle, entirely domestically produced vehicle. Huh. So I had to go with those. So the Spanish domestically produced vehicle was Pegaso Z102, which was a 1950s supercar. Real sexy. That, I think that, like, that predates a lot of other, like, it's got a pure Volvo P1800 front end, and the, mm-hmm. the back is like Jag or Ferrari. It was uh, originally designed by Wilfredo Ricard. And I uh, had bodywork produced by Crozeria Touring. Stouchik. <laughs> Stouchik made the best pre-war coach-built cars. Um, and then there is Anasa and Sarah, which are other coach-built variants. Um, it was made in the 50s. They actually raced at uh, Carrera Panamericana. Uh, Rafael Trujillo had one. He was a Dominican Republic True. dictator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have... <laughs> I've only heard about him in certain other contexts. Yeah, so, so you, you have celebrity ownership. <laughs> celebrity ownership. Yep. Uh, they Ce- had a... This is cool. It had a domestically produced 3.2 liter dual-red cam Desmodromic 32-valve V8. Okay, that's really with cool. With multiple carburetors that made 360 horsepower. In 1956? Yeah. Holy... Wow. Insane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, a really, really, really good that's vehicle. That's like, yeah, I mean, it's motorcycle tech, but... Uh, had uh, gear-driven <clears throat> camshafts. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry, that was a supercharged version. Oh. Okay. So they had but, two different power trains. Yeah, they, they, they had a supercharged and non-supercharged version was 175 horsepower. Well, in 56. Still insane. Yeah. Uh and it was sent to the rear wheels through a five-speed manual transmission. 
five speeds mm-hmm. in 1956. Yep, at a top speed of 120 miles per hour. That's got to be one of the earliest five-speed manual That was boxes. the base model. The supercharged oh version God. could go 151. On 1950s tires, I'm going to take a pass that, on that one. At that point in time, it was the world's fastest production car. <laughs> it, it must it have been just slightly faster than the XK120. Yeah, well, because that went 120. XK150 is what you're thinking of, that, that which went 150. That's what the that's what the that's what they meant. The 120. Oh, yeah. that's why yeah. they changed it. At least, see, model numbers that mean something. Yes, exactly. Well, if only we could get back to that. So this is what's really <clears throat> cool about it. Is it had uh, like its frame had lightning holes where you cut holes in it and you welded a tungsten steel insert. Were they in the shape of lightning? No, light and I, I know. Yes. <laughs> it was a very cool joke that I just yes, did. Yes, you did. Yeah. You made it funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. So it had... Oh, that's cool. It had a transaxle. It didn't have a transmission. So it had a torque tube to a transaxle. Transaxle Straight out of racing. Yeah. A Dadeon uh, <gasps> rear axle, which is super cool. I really love Dadeon rear ends. That's I've never cool. even heard of the company, did you? Dadeon Bouton uh, made... It's very French. Yeah, so they made some of the first cars in the world. They were the car company that actually made the front-engine rear-wheel drive layout was Dadeon Bouton. Oh, and it's French, so they can use it backwards for the upcoming French car. Exactly. Uh, So uh, the Dadeon rear end is basically... It's kind of (sighs) like... The best way to describe it is an extremely aggressive sway bar. It, you had independent axles, okay, and then you had the suspension like was actually connected to a solid rod that connect that went across the rear end. It was like a torsion that, axle or something else? Different. Okay, it's it's very similar, but it works better than a torsion axle. So you basically had just one huge tube that your suspension then connects to, and you had a floating differential with CV shafts. Damn. So. You had the best of a independent rear suspension and of a live axle. So, you know, like a live axle is really good off the line because you don't have to deal with the car going left or right. Like right, that. and the geometry doesn't change with the squat. Exactly. So this took care of geometry squat. But each wheel, when you hit a bump, yeah. the wheels could like react independent of each other. Huh. But when you went around a corner, you then had the live axle stability. Dadeon Bhutan rear ends are very cool. So uh, Alfa Romeo uses them. Okay. They used them in all their like sports cars. Like, like the every, GTV6 and everything? The GTV6, the, the Giulietta, the Spider, all those have huh. Dadeon rear ends. It's very cool rear ends. I wasn't even aware of the existence of this company it is until a, just now. Yeah, and this is both of these things are very cool. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it actually had racing pedigree. Uh, it uh, entered the 1953 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, car was number four. Uh, the, between two and four cars were entered. Uh, and then uh, they crashed. Between Hot. two and four. I yeah. love that the exact number that they started with wasn't known. Yes, two and four. Well, because you had the two cars that were entered by Pegaso. Okay. But then there was also two cars that privately were campaigned. privately campaigned. Okay. But they were... Apparently rebodied Pegasos, possibly. They didn't know because oh. they, they were called a blank special. Okay. But they, theoretically, they were a Pegaso. <laughs> um, and then it was also competing in 1954 Career Pan Americano. Uh, it actually did very well in the early stages and it had an accident, but did finish the race after the accident. Oh, Jesus. Very cool. 
1953 they were erased. Uh, supercharged version uh, actually broke the XK120's um, speed record. So There you go. Yeah, there's... Um, I can't believe I haven't heard about this car because that seems like it was a very cool brand. Well, you, you you really like cars. This they were before your time of like well, what you really like in cars because you like nineties cars. But I like tech still. Yeah, but like your thing with like cars is you really like cars starting in the seventies and moving on from there. Uh, the seventies was like I have a hard stop in the nineteen seventies, whereas like Japanese cars the after 70s that seventies were the, junk. Yeah. But, like, a lot of cars that you like came from the 70s, whereas oh, yeah. a lot of cars that I like ended in the 70s. Um, but, yeah, I think a Pegaso Z102 is a very rad car. Um, what, did it have inboard rear brakes? It did have drums, yes. I'm not sure if it had inboard drums, but it had drums. It probably did have inboard drums. It weighed drums. 2,000 pounds with a V8. 2,100 pounds with a V8. supercharged V8. Yeah, that's... Uh, zero sixty eight point five seconds limited by tires. I was gonna say like that has to be traction just, limited. Just tires and rack and pinion steering. Oh, more importantly, Jesus, dude, this thing's a modern car. Yeah, that's very cool. So that's like the peak of Spanish automotive, privately made vehicles. It's part of Spain where they weren't drinking. Yeah, all right. And so we're gonna move on to Costa Rica now for the peak of Costa Rican. Oh my God. Uh, vehicles. Okay. Which was I had to look up a car main Costa Rica. I forgot this existed. Uh, Barsh. That's got Ford Tempo wheels on it. So, interesting you say that. Um, the Costa Rican car is called an Amigo, and it was made by a company called BTV. And BTV was a company where basically anybody that had $50,000 could start up a production factory for general with General Motors okay. underpinnings. Okay. So this guy made a cheap, reliable vehicle for Costa Rica called the BTV Amigo. And that's what you get. Okay. It looks like it was made by a guy that had $50,000 and didn't know how to make a car. Yep. It has a bumper and lights and wheels. A steak bed and windows. Yep. And a wiper. A windshield wiper. It does have and wiper. Uh, I see a steering wheel in there. The BTV stands for Basic Transportation Vehicle. Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Um, Oh, my God. So, like, what they were basically trying to do is counter the Toyota Land Cruiser. Dude, it comes with like a, a paper origami fold for your metalwork. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. no, You like, just transfer a pattern to sheet steel yep. or aluminum and you make the body. And this is what's actually cool is it's super reliable. Wow. It, it's like totally bulletproof reliable because it was made to be the most reliable thing because it just did... General what, Motors Bedford four-cylinder engine. Yeah. There's just a four-cylinder. 59 horsepower. Wow, that's actually pretty good power. Yeah, and what they were trying to do is they were trying to counter a Land Cruiser. And by countering because nobody bought a Land Cruiser to go fast or to be nice well, back that's then. that's true. Like, FJ40 was designed to be the most reliable workhorse that you could possibly have, and that's exactly what this is, a reliable workhorse. And you can fix it with a hammer. So they're being made in Malaysia, Ecuador, Portugal, and the Philippines. Even more than the Peugeot 405. Yeah. So they're pretty much made everywhere. Oh, my God. Uh, I think an Amigo is pretty cool. Um, now, is it better than a Picasso? Mm, better? Mm. No. More significant? Mm, maybe. Uh, oh, also, I need to tell you all the names. Because they were, they were made also in <coughs> El Salvador, Honduras, uh, Paraguay, Nicaragua. I can't imagine any vehicle being made in Honduras. Oh, here you go. That's what it looks like. After, well, Actually, after being there... I'm actually kind of impressed that this could be manufactured there. So the El Salvadoran version was called the BTV Chato, 
in Honduras, it was the Chirito. Uh, in Ecuador, is Compadre. In Paraguay, is the Anito. Uh, and, and they also made another version called the Mitai. And the Paraguayans had one called the Pinolero. And the Costa Ricans had the Amigo, which is this one. What's your favorite of those names? I kind of like the Chirito. Okay. Because Ito means small. And it's a small friend. Oh, my God. That's a really cute one. Right? I'm not going to lie. I could... It, you were talking about vehicles that, like, I might purchase. If I had the ability to get a BTV, I would absolutely get one. Think about- I would come talk to you at a car show if you pulled up in one. Um. <clears throat> so, now, if you think about it, what do I need a truck for? Hauling leaves to a dump? Yep. What do I want? Is it, it short to do? enough to fit in your? Yes, it's small. It's, this is a four cylinder. I understand. That entire but... hood holds a four cylinder. Is it small? Is it short enough to fit on your driveway, though? I think it is. I don't know about that. Well, so the first photo of this is one you can look at it compared to a Range Rover, and it appears to be at almost exactly half the size of a Range Rover. Except Range Rover is pretty far away in so the background. It's a two point three four meter wheelbase, so it could probably do some maths. Two point three. Oh, total dimensions. It's got it there. Oh, it doesn't have the full. What the heck? All right, well, oh, it's probably because it doesn't come with a bed. Yeah, so uh, dimensions 1.65 meters wide, 2.34 long. So 2.34 meters long. Uh, 2.34 is the wheelbase. So it's, it's a, pretty much a full meter longer, but only some of that's success So back. 144 inches is the length of the Fiat 500. Okay. So 2.34 That's the wheelbase. 2 inches. 92. So yeah, this is be about the size of a Fiat 500. So, okay. Well, yeah, this is totally something I would actually buy. Um I would I would totally buy that. Yeah. That, that okay, but this isn't car. this isn't World Cup of should Ryan buy this vehicle yeah, more. No, 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 <laughs> I'm just saying I would totally buy one. Because, like, these are great. <laughs> I love that vehicle. I mean, these two, there's only one of them I could afford. And yes. that's the it's Amigo. Yeah. But the tech, especially in, like, 53 or whenever you said this came yeah, out. Yeah, no, the Pegaso, like, wins by a long shot. I just really wanted to tell, tell people about how great a BTV Amigo this is. This was one of the closest ones for me, though. Because, like, this clearly is a very significant vehicle for this a is, lot of the world. Yeah, this is, like, a... Like, it is a objectively perfect vehicle for what... They're both... What they are is they're objectively perfect for their own thing. Yeah. Like, the BTV Amigo is the Pegaso of workhorse trucks. That's the 2CV of... Yeah. But, yeah, you just... You, you, can't, you can't beat it. No, you're not going to beat a five-speed transaxle, supercharged, desmodromic, V8, front-engine, super lightweight, 1950s car with a... Uh, origami metal project yeah no sorry they're very very close so they're surprisingly close. again it was probably the closest one even for me because like I, <laughs> I i can't like downplay the significance of a vehicle like that for yeah. it's like the 126p it's like well yeah like it's duh. a very significant vehicle i think i think if the btv was more <clears> successful <throat> if they had sold more of those then that was more in the zeitgeist and they had like people like it wasn't just like a very cheap piece of shit like yeah. if, if people actually cared more about it, like they do with the one twenty, because the thing is the one twenty six P. What makes it special is the ownership. True. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, there was like a full era of what Poland was going through, and that that was the car that they had. Yeah. So like that's kind of but where even, that even then like, you get Ladas, you can get everything else, and one twenty six B. That's the car people wanted. Like that's yep. the Volkswagen Beetle yep. of Poland. No, they they so. had it's true. They had some choice, and they still ended up in the one twenty six P. So all right. So the the end of Group E, we have the hardest. Oh, Germany. So this is hard because you have to pick a car, one car that perfectly oh, represents God. them. I chose the three hundred SLR. I'm leaving this up to you. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I mean, that's, I it's the car just... that is the most German thing. It's just like what we just talked about with the Pegaso. I mean, it was yeah. just like, it was so far ahead of its time technology-wise. But then you got the LFA for Japan, too. Well, in that one, I'm also going to leave up to you. Because I'm like, what, should it be the LFA? Like, I think LFA, like, styling and performance-wise, technology, the LFA really is like the peak of technology. Of Japanese technology, but also it doesn't really represent Japan because Japan's just a boring as fuck country. Yeah, like, I, like it should a, just a, be a, like an, a Dahatsu uh, Naked is a perfect Japanese. Right, show. I feel like it should be a K car. Okay, um, I will switch the LFA out for a Suzuki Wagon RRR. Wagon RRR. Yep. Let's pull photos. We have a representative sample here, and it's of course going to be the blue Gran Turismo photo. But whatever. Yeah, that's fine. fine. It's. Uh, F6A, but aluminum far... inline three turbocharged. Oh, not turbo actually. No, they are turbo. Yeah, the RR is turbocharged. Yeah, you get that intercooler vent. So. Yeah, so front wheel drive. So I, I, yeah, I think that's much more representative of yeah. Japan, and it's something I might actually vote for because it's a manual. Um, and the SLR. Is yeah. Manual so as well. I mean, this car. It's again. I go back to it's just like that. Pegaso, Pegaso I think. Yeah, and whatever car this is is going to go against the Pegaso. But I mean, go watch Jason Camisa's piece on the the SLR Gullwing. They actually referenced the SLR race car that came before it. These were actually shit. Like these were really bad. Yeah. And like a year and a half later, they built it all into the Gullwing, which was like a world beater, perfect okay, car. So you want to do the Gullwing then? I was just N- thinking, not necessarily because I, I don't want Germany to win. Well, this is my <laughs> thing with Germany: is I needed a car that perfectly represented Germany. <sighs> And what Germany is very good at is they perfect a known quantity technology as opposed to making a new one. So it's a W124 then. And this is a perfect example of that because instead of switching to unknown disc brakes at the time, they had inboard drums that were bigger than the wheels and tires. Which we know that you're a fan of. Yeah. Gigantic drums. And well, the the thing is, I just think that is a perfect representation of Germany, like as a country. Yeah, England is, was doing small discs, and they were fantastic. Yeah, but they faded exactly. Whereas Germany is like, we need it to work every time. Yep, and they made it work every time. That yep. car did great. And you yep. had know the the uh, Pegaso and the uh, the Mercedes Galt like three hundreds. Yeah, those went toe to toe at Carrera Panamericana. And which one do we remember? <laughs> the Gullwing. So, but yeah, first gasoline direct fuel injected engine in a, a production vehicle. Well, calling it production is ambitious, but it was. Well, not the SLR, I mean, we'll, the... we'll we'll say the SL Gullwing and SLR. Well, how about that? We, we can loop them all together. Yeah, so well, like so fundamentally, the fifties mm. SLs, the first yeah, generation. Even, SL. even the one ninety, other than the engine, was in that same boat. So the space frame, I mean, the, the development, the technology, I mean, like to your point, it's very much, but at the same time, there was so much bleeding edge technology in this too. Mm-hmm. So you combine a direct injection straight six making 255 horsepower with drums. Yeah. But it's like, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, <clears throat> this is, it was bleeding edge technology, but Germany at that point in time had a lot of experience making direct injection. Oh well, yeah, but it was diesels. Not necessarily. I mean, the BF-109 was direct injection. What was that? The Messerschmitt BF-109. Okay, an aeroplane. Google the Messerschmitt BF-109. 
You'll know what the BF-109 is. If you just type in BF-109, oh, it's that. Okay. That's a BF-109. All right. The BF-109 had direct projection. <clears throat> well, so, because altitudes are tricky yeah, with carburetors. And that's why airplanes used... Uh, like, carburetors were phased out during the Spanish Civil War. So the original BF-109, the BF-109A, had a carburetor. It sucked. It was terrible. BF-109s were getting shot down by Paula Karpov, like, I-15s. But they very soon, before World War II even happened, switched over to... Yeah, thank you. Um, before World War II even happened, they switched over to direct injection because they... Oh, I could see fuel it. injection, but I didn't know those were DI. Yeah, they, they actually were, yeah. Uh, well, the later ones were DI. They switched over to mechanical fuel injection and then finally DI. Okay. Um, and then they lost the war. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember that part. Yes, yeah, it was that part. Uh, but that's why Mercedes would be able to just do fuel injection because it was a known quantity. They knew how to make it correctly. Yeah. Like that the fuel injection was not the failure point. No. It was, and like to the point of these cars, like that's that doesn't fail. No, like, it doesn't. These original and, systems are working. And so I, I think what you have is you have reliability on these cars whereas other brands were going the bleeding edge of technology. Yeah. Which is what the Pegaso was doing, was just the bleeding edge. Right. And that's why this car is known. Because at the end of the day you're going to buy another one of these because right. it worked for you. Yep. A Pegaso did not work for you. A right. Pegaso was very cool. Well, was you fantastic. will buy one. But the year after I bought it, uh, the company went out of business. I couldn't get a transaxle for it, and I blew out third gear. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what part. happens with Pegasos. Um, and then with uh, Japan, I think... <sighs> Japan has the ability to be very exciting when it wants to be. And they, they do make very thoroughly vetted product most of the time. Yeah, they do a really good job making things. The problem is, is you have the Japanese um, corporate culture. And it's not even really the Japanese corporate culture. It is the Japanese work all the time, work too hard culture. It's an overworked co- country mm-hmm. that has been, that was in a recession for 30 years. So we think of J- Japanese cars as being very cool, but they're really not. When you think about it, like Japan made cool shit, but they made that previous emperor. Like, Japanese um, cars really peaked in the 70s and 80s. That was two emperors yeah, ago I could say at that. this point. So, I mean, they're cool, but, like, and I love Japan. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm a huge Japanese car nerd. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Yep. But <clears throat> can I'm, confirm. I, I cannot say with confidence that Japan, in this day and age, makes cool stuff. And that I can't say that a... R32 GTR is representative of modern Japan. Right, but look at Germany. It's the same thing. Exactly. They make shit now. But, I mean, at the same time, Germany, they still they still get excited about a performance version of a car. And they do still give us manuals. But but the thing is, even automatics being their thing, they still make performance cars. Yeah. Japan, you have to pull teeth to get a performance car. And that's why... I, I, that's why I said the Wagon RRR as opposed to the LFA. Because the Wagon RRR is... That's a great name. Yeah, a great name, A. But B, <laughs> it is a performance version... Is injecting performance into a not-performance car, which is... That's where Japan excels. Yeah. Is making a not-fun car very fun. And this is, you know, it's 16 horsepower. It's in, nice. It's in a tiny minivan. It's also episode 269, so why not? I know. I, so I think, good. I think having 16 horsepower in a nice. K-van... Uh, with a manual transmission and a tiny turbocharger. And this was like the last gasp of the bubble era economy. 
Mm. The bubble air economy is what gave you K performance cars and, and SX and you know SIRs and you know Evos and stuff. That was, <laughs> that was bubble economy. GTRs, all that was bubble. Well, the good GTRs anyway. Well, no, I mean just GTRs in general. Like that came from the bubble economy. Um, Even like the Hokoska. Yeah. If oh, you th- nice. Well, they had it wasn't the Hokoska was from. It wasn't really the bubble because the bubble economy is the housing bubble in the eighties. The Hokoska. So what Japan had was pre-gas crisis had this huge push in performance, the first era of Japanese performance, which came nineteen sixty four to about nineteen seventy three. Nineteen sixty four to seventy three, you had this push in performance because Japan had just finished rebuilding after World War Two. Yeah, and they had all of the manufacturing prowess, and there was a lot of pent up racism. Like left in the world from pre World War Two, um, where there was like prior to World War Two, there was a racial hierarchy, where Japan, a large part of why Japan entered World War Two is because of this racial hierarchy, that they felt it was in like the Japanese zeitgeist that they had to prove themselves as being better than white people because they were the only Asian country at that point that had not been colonized and they had kicked the shit out of Russia. And people are still saying that Japanese people were inferior to whites. Hmm. And so that was Correct. like, th- that, that's, that was a large part of like why World War II happened and the Japanese empire like rising. Um, and after World War II, Japan was totally devastated. They had to rebuild and everything. And in the 60s, Japan was known as being like kind of how we thought of China 10 years ago. Sure. China was making knockdown shit, like knock, right. ripoff stuff, yeah. you know. Um, and so... Japan, to combat that, they were, everything they made, they made to the best of their abilities. They made the best computers. They made the best cars. And how did they make the best cars? South Korea, though. Yeah, it's it's South Korea today. It's Japan in the 60s. They were proving to the rest of the world that they were just as capable, if not more capable, than everybody else. And that's how you had the GTR kicking the shit off Porsche. It was a point of national pride. It was a country that had just come out of World War II. They were the loser. They were the you know the black sheep of the world community, and they had to rally around something that for the country, and that's where a lot of these cars came from. It wasn't just again just cars. There was a whole zeitgeist here. Sure, that's what the 1964 uh, Tokyo Olympics were about. Was Japan announcing to the world, "We've rebuilt. We are ourselves. Japan is a first world powerful country," and really washing away a lot of the leftover racism that had existed in the early 20th century. And, I mean, it's not to say it doesn't exist today. Well, sure. But, like, when I say this, it's like, it would be at a level where a country would be discounted at the UN. Okay. Like, that kind of thing. Oh, great. Yeah, like, really, really, like, it's, all racism sucks, but, like, it was just so blatantly racist around the world. Um, And that's what a lot of those Global, too, because it was a world war that it stemmed from. Exactly. So a lot of these cars, that's where those early GTRs were coming from. And so after the bubble economy happened, Japan had to... um, Well, the bubble economy was Japan. Like, all of that excitement about Japan going to Japan, they had a huge real estate bubble where, like, everything got so overvalued because it's such a tiny country and they're making everything. Yeah. um, That... A lot of people had all of their money in real estate, and then the bubble just burst. And people just, it was like the housing crisis in the United States. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Times a thousand. Ah. Yeah, like everybody lost basically everything collectively. 
Like, it destroyed the Japanese economy. And so, Japanese people, like, the, co- the companies, you were, you were beholden to your company when you, when you work there, and you are expected to work, like, all hours. Like, you have one day off a week in Japan. Hmm. You have a one-day weekend. And then your work day is, like, 12 hours. Pass. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I pass on that <laughs> yeah. One. And then when you're when you're out of work, you're expected to do like things with your coworkers. You're, yeah, because that's mm, that's what I would want. If- and so <clears> you <throat> can see why people are just worn out <laughs> and they're not trying to drive a Zenvo or something. <laughs> and you can't afford a Zenvo because it's so expensive to like you don't have any private time. Oh god no. How so many you, waking hours a week would you be in that thing? Yeah, exactly. Not worth so the what taxes. you do is you get like a turbocharged K car. You get a car that's easy to park. Yeah. But the thing, you know what, you have that like five minutes of like your free time on your commute home. It makes wishy noises. Wide open on that highway. And that's what the cars are for. Yep. Is it's for that like having fun without having to like really base your life around your vehicle. Yeah. And that's what Japan's very good at doing. Um so that's why I sw- that's why I chose the Wagon RRR. Now, I'm gonna leave this up to you. Which car do you think should advance? The car that is the embodiment of a fun daily driver that you can live with, or a car that is the embodiment of making fast cars reliable. Uh, I'm gonna vote Japan. You're with Japan? Yeah, slow car fast. That's slow the only car. reason. It's, I'm... it's the the peak of slow car fast. <clears throat> All right. K cars are just what I'm about. Yeah, so you need to own one, dude. Yeah, if, if, I don't know if I ever saw a decent deal on one that I actually liked. Maybe. I feel like a Honda Beat would be a good <clears throat> car for you. They're super cheap. TJ just bought one. I should drive his. Yeah, they're super cheap. They're um, apparently like just great to drive. Like the best driving dynamics like ever. I believe it. I mean, it's made at the same time as the NSX. So. It was the last car, Soitro Honda Greenlit. Isn't it, um, weren't there only like three cars, four cars built in that factory? It was the S2000, the NSX, the First Gen Insight, and the Beat? I think something like that, Something yeah. like that. So I'm sure they were worked on by actual enthusiasts. All right. So this that is the World Cup of Cars for this episode. And so we are going to, oh, shit. Did we do too many? I think we might have. We're fine. It doesn't matter. Don't know that this matter, actually. Well, that's fine. This episode's already an hour and a half, so... Yeah. So, yeah, we're fine. Uh, we will get to news next week, because uh, this was an hour and a half of us going over group. So... You guys are all welcome for the global yeah. lesson. Yeah, we get to learn about every car in the world. We do this once every four years. And we tell you about every car. Japanese every country bubbles. in the world. Yes. And what makes them cool. And then after this, so... After these two episodes, we do group stage of World Cup of Cars. Yeah. Uh, we will do two rivalries per episode okay. for the next two episodes. Sure. So that until works. we get to the fi- the finale of World Cup of Cars, where we'll once again do a longer piece about each car and why each car is as notice- as noteworthy. And we should probably should bring back the Carbotrage Car of the Year too. Uh, we will be doing that in January. Yes. Okay. Good. So that that Very will good. be. Into the car, so or into the car, into the year. So we'll we'll do the fir- the first the first episode in January. We'll do the Carbotrage Car of the Year and our little Modi Awards. So. That sounds good. Oh, the Modis. Oh yes, God. they are the Modis. I forgot they were dubbed that. Yes, Perfect. they are. He's still around, so that's good. Perfect. All right. Well, we will see you next episode. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.